In the introduction to the rite for the sacrament of anointing of the sick, we find these words in the section called Pastoral Notes. Suffering and illness have always been among the greatest problems that trouble the human spirit. Christians feel and experience pain, as do all other people. Yet, their faith helps them to grasp more deeply the mystery of suffering and to bear their pain with greater courage. And yet, how many of us have not wished for or prayed for, one day we would find a cure for any one of the illnesses that bring suffering and brokenness to the human body and the human spirit. Maybe not one of us personally, but someone, somewhere, would find a way to alleviate human need. We're not particular about what cure we might find. We would make a list for cancer, for AIDS, for mental illness, and surely in these days we would add for the coronavirus. There is something inside of us that truly wants to relieve human suffering, our own and that of others. Because we feel that, that somehow illness and suffering are in violation of the way things ought to be. Or I suppose, if we're honest, the way we think things ought to be. Even given our faith that says suffering is a way to participate in the suffering of Jesus Christ. And so, we are more than able and often willing to join our lament to that of our friend Job today, who looks at what he calls the drudgery of life, the unending weeks of unchanging days and restless nights. Spiritual writers have long talked about the patience of Job. And we have often commented about usually someone else. They have the patience of Job. And it is something that we wish for ourselves. But in the early part of Job's conversation with God, he didn't really exhibit much patience. He, he cried out to God. He demanded answers. But we discover that maybe what Job really needed and really wanted is what we all yearn for, especially in anxious times, someone to listen to our lament and to share our grief. Our anxiety and our hope as well are especially acute when ourselves or someone we love is diagnosed with serious illness. We know we're not alone in that, but we simply, we simply want less pain, less suffering, less brokenness in life. 
And so there are times when we join with Job, who said, my life is like the wind. I may never see happiness again. So is it any wonder that when Jesus began his ministry with an act of healing, that he attracted the crowds that Mark reports in his gospel? We don't know if Peter's mother-in-law cried out in her illness, but the action of Jesus sets out in Mark's gospel a pattern for God's unreserved compassion in the face of human need. There's no doubt that the subsequent healings and cures by Jesus were astonishing. And even today, we are amazed when we hear stories of people who have been diagnosed with certain illnesses suddenly reporting that they are better, that they are well. And we don't know how that's happened. And we simply say, well, it was miraculous. It really was. And we're not sure really how that happened. We just simply believe that the hand of God has intervened once again. Jesus' ministry, of course, to individuals was larger than that person, whoever they were. Whether they were ill or those who were blind or possessed or the paralyzed, these incidents were never in isolation. They were always for the benefit of those who were in the crowd, those who were observing. When he cured the man born blind, he really wanted to heal the spiritual blindness of those who could physically see. When he forgave the person who was brought before him because they were a sinner, he wanted to heal the self-righteousness of those who had condemned that person. And when he cured someone on the Sabbath, he wanted the bystanders to be healed of their short-sightedness because they thought that keeping the law was more virtuous than caring for another person's suffering. So Jesus used those moments to teach and to draw others into his mission, not to make all of them or all of us miracle workers, but to, be, to make us bearers of God's healing love. Mark tells us that Peter's mother-in-law began to serve them, using the word, the Greek word diakonia, which means to minister to, to care for. And this is what Jesus does. He cares for. This is what other women did in the gospel stories. This is what we are called to do in the light of the gospel. And so back to our friend Job, whom we discover eventually God listened to him. For God keeps vigil over all of creation and all its creatures, and in a special way, over those who cry out. And Job comes to discover 
that God cares for him for no reason other than pure love, a love that is unconditional and Job discovers unearned. God's love is mysterious. It's gratuitous. And Job's awareness of that makes all the difference in his lament. He comes to realize that all that he has is pure gift, a gift he can spend in perpetual angst or in joyful gratitude. What happens to Job is an inner healing. Job doesn't have a sickness like Peter's mother-in-law, like the paralyzed, like the leper. Job's healing comes from the inside, and it is the first step in ministry, ministry to our own spiritual health and a ministry like Peter's mother-in-law that reaches out to others with a Christ-like gesture. Paul tells us today that knowing Christ makes one a Christ-like servant. A servant with a love, he tells us, in another place in his letter that is patient and kind, sort of wrapping the virtues of Job and the action of Jesus into one phrase, patient and kind. And Mark uses in his story today resurrection language when he says that Jesus lifted up Peter's mother-in-law so perhaps, my friends, in these days, that's our singular ministry, to lift up each other.